And so when we went um, to this small village and uh, we celebrated mass, when it came time to receive the Eucharist, the people just like all got out of their seats and like rushed the altar. And I sort of was like sitting in my seat because I was waiting my turn, you know, in line like we do back in in the U.S. And um yeah, it was just like, I was like, oh my goodness, like they are so hungry for the Eucharist. And it just kind of caused me to sort of pause and reflect like, is this how I feel? Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah Butalid, and I've been gathering stories for IamHere.org. And I'm Father Mario Amori, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and today we welcome Beth Allison to share her story. Welcome, Beth. Hi, friends. How are you? We're great. Glad to have you here. Thanks. Happy to be here. (laughs) For our listeners who don't have the pleasure of knowing you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your home parish? Sure. So I work and worship at St. Aloysius in Detroit beautiful place. It's a great place. (laughs) I have a really great boss, too. (laughs) You do. (laughs) You sure do. So all of us really have a a special relationship in that we uh, worship and work at St. Aloysius in one capacity or another. Uh, So Beth, tell us about your role there. Sure. So I am the parish engagement coordinator at St. Aloysius. So I'm in charge of a little bit of everything, Um, social media, event coordination, volunteer coordination, kind of whatever Father Mario wants me to help him with. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. And what were you doing prior to working in ministry? So um, I went to college for interior design, and so that's the degree that I got from Michigan State. And after college, I worked in the city of Detroit, and that kind of, I've always loved the city, and um, I loved working in the city. We worked on a lot of projects in downtown Detroit, so a lot of office space, a lot of apartments, um, designing, and uh, kind of working in the community. And so I did that for about five years, and then uh, the Holy Spirit called me to work in ministry for the church. And um, so my first job in ministry was the director of youth ministry um, at St. Paul on the Lake in Gross Point. And then three years ago, I started working at St. Aloysius downtown. So I'm happy to kind of come full circle and be back in the city of Detroit, but working in a ministry capacity. Yeah, beautiful. Having been uh, kind of involved with St. Al's myself for the last year or so, it's been cool to see uh, what a presence the parish is to the city of Detroit and just kind of knowing your story and how, you know, starting from interior design in, you know, in Detroit and then uh, the way the Lord has called you into service, um, into ministry uh, right there in his city is so, so beautiful. Um, and it's clear that your faith is an important part of your life <laughs> now that you've given your life to um, to serving Jesus and his church. So can you um, share a little bit about your journey growing up and what that was like, what led you to this place of, of great faith? Sure. So um, I grew up in a Catholic family, was raised um, in the Catholic faith from kind of birth and early years. Um, my parents, we uh, it wasn't a negotiable. Like we went to mass every Sunday as a family. Um, my brother was involved in a lot of travel sports teams. So even when we were traveling across the country, like we were one of the only families that still went to mass um, on Sunday, even when we weren't kind of um, in our hometown. And so that was always a priority. I went to 
uh, Catholic grade school um, and then went to public high school and through going to public high school became involved in youth ministry because uh, my parents wanted me to still kind of receive faith formation even though I wasn't uh, going to Catholic high school. So you became a youth minister uh, kind of after you were working in interior design. But as you look back at your own time in, in the youth ministry program as, as a high school student, what, what was it about that, um, that ministry that kind of drew you in more and, and helped you connect more with your faith? So I actually have a funny story, and it kind of shows the humor of the Lord. Um, so I actually hated going to youth ministry in the <laughs> beginning. Um, I think it was because my parents were making me do it. Um, and so I would kind of just go begrudgingly to uh, to youth ministry. Um, but my parents were uh, persistent and kept sending me there. And um, kind of through the people that I met and the youth minister at the time kind of softened my heart to youth ministry. So it's just funny, the same youth ministry program that I like cried going to, I then became the leader of like 10, 15 years later, which is kind of funny. Um, so through youth ministry, I um, kind of developed a more personal relationship with Jesus. I don't know if I could articulate that at the time, but kind of like thinking about it in retrospect. And then also um, the Lord through travel showed me um, kind of the universality of the church and kind of the beauty um, of faith and the global aspect of faith. So I went to um, a couple world youth days and then um, I also went on several mission trips. So it was kind of through service and um, sort of seeing the global church, I was drawn into a deeper faith and then continued faith throughout college um, into my young adult years as well. So you are a world traveler. Yes. <laughs> and pilgrimage is very much a part of your uh, faith life. And, and this, uh, your family travels a lot together. Um, but then, as you mentioned, in, in high school, in, in youth ministry, uh, going to World Youth Day, and then also as the leader leading World Youth Days and other mission experiences, um, you know, you you have just developed this greater, uh, as you said, love for the faith and the and the universality universality of it. Um, that is so much part a part of your story, the story that you share shared with us uh, at I Am Here. So, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, just your life and and your faith? particularly on that mission trip to Ecuador. Sure. So um, I was going, I was finishing up college and um, that youth minister, again, kind of, she comes back into into play. Um, I had reached out to her, letting her know that I was potentially thinking about taking a year off after college and um, potentially exploring the option of doing mission work. And so um, I reached out to her and she was like, well, Holy Spirit is working. We're actually starting and piloting a trip to Ecuador. Um, and so would you like to come along and kind of see, you know, experience the country, um, kind of see if this is something that you really want to pursue? And I was like, sure, yeah, that'd be great. Um, so I went on uh, this pilot experience um, to Ecuador. And um, it's this initial trip, we kind of went around to a bunch of different communities so that they could kind of see um, how 
bringing other people on this mission would work. So it was kind of cool to be a part of sort of the initial uh, initial journey within this trip. And um, yeah, so for you personally on that trip, what were uh, some of the the most memorable moments or highlights? I think for sure kind of the story that I wrote about um, for I Am Here was probably, I mean, it's still one of the most incredible kind of experiences that I've had um, kind of within church and just the Eucharist itself. So, um, you know, back home, I kind of took for granted uh, the opportunity to receive the Eucharist as frequently as we are able to. Um, so in this small village that we were in, in this mountainous region of Ecuador, they don't even have daily mass. They they don't even have Sunday mass all of the time. So um, it was kind of eye-opening to see like, oh my goodness, like they don't even have the opportunity to go to mass or receive the Eucharist regularly. And so when we went um, to this small village and uh, we celebrated mass when it came time to receive the Eucharist the people just like all got out of their seats and like rushed the altar and I sort of was like sitting in my seat because I was waiting my turn you know <laughs> in line like we do back in in the U.S. and um yeah, it was just like, I was like, oh my goodness, like they are so hungry for the Eucharist. And it just kind of caused me to sort of pause and reflect like, is this how I feel as well? And like, um, just had me think about, oh my goodness, how privileged uh, we are and I am to be able to, I mean, there are numerous masses every Sunday and multiple masses every day at all the parishes kind of in my community and in the Archdiocese in Detroit in general. And so it just kind of uh, caused me to be to pause and sort of uh, reflect on, okay, so how, how do I feel about the Eucharist? Like, what's the Eucharist's importance in my life? So today you are uh, a daily communicant, so you, you go to Mass daily, um, and it's probably the case, maybe not, but maybe it's the case with you as it is for so many others that sometimes we we get into the routine of going to the going to Mass that um, we might not approach the Eucharist with that same excitement or that same, um, you know, vigor that you, you did that day or in the experience with the people there. Um, so is there, is there something or, or some way that you try to kind of, um, kind of restore that, that joy when, when you feel like you might be distracted or, or don't have the same enthusiasm? Um, yeah, so actually, it's kind of funny. Sometimes I'm motivated to go, especially to daily mass, by um, whose saint's feast day it is. Um, so I kind of like have just kind of developed a more deep relationship with uh, the saints and kind of the communion of saints. And so um, if I know that it's going to be a certain saint's feast day, like I will for sure make a point to go to mass because I know that like I want to celebrate um, that, you know, that that saint or the feast day as well. Um, and I think too, just like as um, I've, I did Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a year this past year and just kind of diving into scripture more, like the idea of um, hearing scripture at mass and um, yeah, like being fed by um, not only the Eucharist, but also the word of God, like that also motivates me to be excited um, to, to frequent mass as much as I do. Yeah, I think it's a good practice for us to, if ever we find ourselves in that place of, um, you know, ju just routine 
as we approach Mass and, and the Holy Eucharist especially, um, just kind of being being able to, to sit back for a moment and just just to, to think and pray about just the, this gift that we're given, that um, you know I have the ability to go and receive Christ himself. Uh, so often because it is routine, we don't reflect upon just the simplicity of, of the gift and the um, just just the great presence that uh, Christ gives to us of himself uh, in the Holy Eucharist. We, we don't often just just think about, yeah, the, the simple parts of our faith, like we have the saints who are praying for us, and Jesus himself is giving us his very body and blood. Um, and that, that can really change the way in which we, we approach just our own celebration of Mass and, and celebration of the Eucharist. Um, so part of Part of the way in which Beth and I became friends was actually through the same youth minister. Um, and one of the first first memories that I have of Beth is I, I was meeting with this youth minister in her office, um, and Beth came in with, I think they were pictures of Ecuador. Yeah, it was a scrapbook Ecuador. that I made. Yeah, yeah. and they're like pictures of llamas and everything. And then, <laughs> um, so it turns out that I had gone on a trip to Ecuador uh, with Beth and, and a larger group as well. And I, I remember we, we brought to them, uh, to the people there, just sort of old, you know, old vestments and, and Easter candles and, and things that most parishes um, around here would just want to kind of get out of their drawers and closets. And, um, but to, to, to hand these things over to the people of Ecuador, it was like, you know, just like this huge uh, realization that it was like we were giving to them, you know, gold, mm. just just these old things that we just want to get rid of because, um, you know, the faith is so important to them and, and they don't have all the resources that we have, but their joy comes in knowing that despite the things that they don't have, they do have Christ's presence in the Eucharist um, and just sort of being deprived, if you will, because they're not able to receive the Eucharist and have Mass as often as we are. Uh, when they are able to celebrate Mass, it's just a completely different uh, opportunity and and recognition for them of just what a great gift uh, the Holy Eucharist is. Wow, that's powerful. I didn't know that that background, that context. Very cool. Man, okay, so Beth, I want to know... Coming back from that trip as a, um, you, you were a college grad at the time? Uh, it was the year before I graduated okay, college, okay. yeah. So coming back, how did your approach, disposition at Mass and even in adoration, how, how were you impacted immediately kind of carrying this experience with you um, of the people you were surrounded by in Ecuador who hungered so deeply for the Eucharist? I think uh, initially it was just like I wanted to tell everybody about what happened, right? So I remember like sitting on my bed, like the first person I told was my mom, like the whole experience. And I remember like sitting on my bed and she was sitting um, in a chair across from me and I just couldn't stop talking about sort of this experience. And she was like brought to, she was just sitting in the, t the chair, like s tears streaming down her face and just like so moved, um, you know, by me kind of sharing my experience and and I think she could just see like the growth in my faith as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I was just like so excited to share um, 
what I experienced and sort of like this newfound love for the church and uh, going to mass. I'm sure that like made my mom fall out of her chair. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, so I think that was kind of the initial, um, yeah, what initially happened. And then I shared with my friends and like other people as well. Um, But again, I think like I never... um, I never, like, now I don't take for granted Mass after that experience. Like, I never complained about going to Mass on Sunday again. Um, and I think it just helped me to continue to make uh, Mass a priority, like, in my life, um, even as a young adult. And that can be hard because not everybody uh, follows that same path. And so I think it really helped me to uh, make that a priority in my daily life and my weekend yeah. life as well. I love that your first impulse was to tell someone about it. Um, so much of, I mean, it, it's it's such a gift that you would share this story here on the podcast and on I Am Here. But so much of what our desire is with these stories is that, you know, people would read them and be inspired because Jesus is actually out there doing things, working in people's lives and transforming them. And, um, you know, keeping that to ourselves, we're depriving someone of an opportunity to you know, be compelled to seek him out. So I love that even in that moment back then, your first impulse was to share and that you continue to share this beautiful experience um, for the sake of leading more people to encounter this Jesus who changes everything. I, I think it's so beautiful. Can you tell us about just the importance of, as, as you look back on just your own life of faith, the importance of just your parents' faith and their witness and their model they're modeling it for you that has, and how is it as, how has it affected you? I think their consistency and persistence um, for sure has just really helped to kind of ground our family in the importance of um, the Catholic faith and the importance of the Eucharist and uh, the sacraments. I think too, like they help to be kind of accountability, right? And because we had that foundation from such a young age, um, again, that consistency just really helped to um, helped my brother and I because my brother is also a young adult who um, is goes to mass every Sunday as well. So um, I think their perseverance, and then I know that my mom prays at least three rosaries a day. So um, kind of their consistent prayer and kind of the, their modeling of faith um, for us has really helped to keep us connected. I think to them introducing us to different people outside of the family who were also um, involved in faith was helpful too that um, you know I uh, the youth minister that I the youth ministry program that I was a part of um, and like the friends that I met through there and um, kind of some of the other leaders like through youth ministry I saw other people um, modeling faith as well so I think like that's important too. Mm-hmm. We mentioned that pilgrimage has been just a, a huge part of of your faith life and your journey, um, and how has so you recently returned from uh, thirty days on the Camino, so five hundred miles, um, and that those are ways in which you kind of we we keep faith kind of at, at the center of our hearts and we keep the excitement um, kind of moving forward. Um, can you just talk about how that? Or why is that so important for you? 
I think because it's really important to um, take time and like remove yourself from your day-to-day routine and kind of take the time and the space to be able to uh, spend time with the Lord. And for me, I just find um, that pilgrimage and kind of literally putting myself in another place. Um, So I'm not worried about work. I'm not worried about um, like stuff within my family or like cleaning my house or different things like that. Um, Just the opportunity to be able to spend that time um, and commit that time to uh, growing in my relationship with the Lord and um, the sacraments. And I mean, it doesn't hurt that it's so beautiful, all the places that I've been blessed to be able to go. And again, I think it just is beautiful to see the universality of the church. Um, the same mass that is prayed here in Detroit is prayed in France and in Spain and in Germany. And so that's just has had a, a profound kind of impact on my faith and my life um, because it's so much bigger than just me. When it does come to the day to day and um, kind of had having had these experiences that you've had and grown in this beautiful devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist, um, how has that affected or impacted the way that you approach what you do in service to the church, both as a youth minister and, and now in your current role at St. Aloysius? I think I, I just see myself as sort of a, a vehicle to help people to experience um, the beauty of the Eucharist. Uh, so, um, you know, when I was a youth minister, I would provide, um, you know, semi-regular uh, ways for students to experience Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, in po- When we went to Poland uh, for World Youth Day when I was a leader, um, the beautiful Church St. Mary's in the cute historic square um the the teens that i was with they wanted to go in all of the kind of shopping malls and you know or the little stores and things like that and i was like um hey so there's eucharistic adoration uh in this church so we're gonna go and we'll go for like 15 minutes you know and they were all sort of like okay (laughs) but you know just encouraging them to to do it and Mm -hmm. to spend some time um we sat there and we were there for 15 minutes And um, at the end of the day, when we reflected in the evening, they were like, you know what? That was actually like really amazing. (laughs) Like, thank you so much for, um, you know, making us do that basically. But um, kind of just encouraging and at some point, like more strongly encouraging people Mm -hmm. to, um, yeah, to experience it and then kind of make it a priority. And then also kind of in my work now um, at St. Aloysius, just making sure that the Eucharist is sort of the central part of Mm -hmm. everything. Thing that we do. So we have Eucharistic adoration after uh, Mass on Fridays until 1.30. And so kind of just inviting the staff and um, inviting other people to kind of spend some time with Jesus and make sure that, um, yeah, that he's the focus of everything that we do. Because if we're not fed by him, um, it's, it's harder to do the work that uh, the Lord has called us to do. Right, right. And I've seen how that is... Um, just sharing that is a fruit of your own love and, and devotion and prayer with and in front of the, the Blessed Sacrament. Um, and, and that, for somebody who works for the church so often, um, we can give into just this, this understanding that our prayer or our work is our prayer. And so, um, you know, just this, this 
false uh, notion that just everything that that we're doing, um, you know, is for the Lord, and so we we don't really have to spend time in quiet prayer or before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, and that's the furthest thing from from the truth because that's where ultimately, um, you know, our our strength comes from. Um, why I think Beth is such an integral part of not just the staff but of the parish, um, but especially for for the team that we have is that because is because you're a disciple first and foremost, um, and that's that's what I say when, when people comment on you know the good work that you do or and that others do that that work with us is as I can say well it's because they're disciples that you're striving to follow Jesus and you have just this deep love for him. And so that impacts everything that you do. And that's why I believe that just um, we've been just very, very successful in our efforts to, to bring Jesus to others. We still have a lot of work to do, but I think a lot of just ground has been gained and people have been brought to the Lord uh, because of that. And so that's, it's just essential, not, not only for um, those who work for the church, but but for all of us and in, in our role of uh, being evangelizers. I think I'd like to add, too, that um, it's really important to also, like, spend time in silence with mm-hmm. Jesus. I think sometimes, especially when we're doing programming or when we are, um, you know, like, providing opportunities for people to experience the Eucharist. Like there's a time and a place for music and reflection and things like that. But I think um, like carving out time and having silence with the Lord is super important. And we've seen the fruit of that. Like our young adult retreat um, that we lead um, in Advent and Lent, instead of having it be kind of so filled with um, programming and like talks and things like that, we, um, like the retreatants are able to spend most of the time like with Jesus in the chapel and they have the opportunity to kind of go wherever they want but I uh the first time that we did it like I was so uh surprised and like so like filled with such joy when I mean like over half the people spent like over five hours in the chapel like in front of the blessed sacrament like in silence or kind of reading you know spiritual reading and so I think that that's just so important I think sometimes we try to uh complicate things and sort of add a lot of things to um spending time with the Lord, but like the importance of just being silent and just like looking at the monstrance and having Jesus love us and uh, just praying in the silence and the stillness. Absolutely. I I personally can attest to that. Having been on two of those retreats, um, they, they were, su- it's such a gift to me that um, that's something that's prioritized in our community because um, I always walk away from those retreats feeling deeply refreshed and um, and reattached to the source of life um, in Jesus. With kind of that in mind and prioritizing silence, can you talk a little bit about how you do that, how you work that into your day-to-day life or um, how you spend time in the ble- or with the Blessed Sacrament um, throughout your week, what that looks like for you personally? Sure. So, um, like I said, after Mass on Fridays, we have Eucharistic Adoration for about an hour, a little bit under an hour. Um, so that's kind of my uh, time that's scheduled out throughout the week to be 
able to spend time with the Lord. And um, or first I was like trying to journal and take notes and, you know, think about work stuff. And more recently I've just been um, sitting there and like just being with the Lord. So um, I found that like, and if I'm not able to be in front of the Blessed Sacrament, like also just every day spending at least 10 minutes of silence, like if it's right when I wake up in the morning um, or like in the evening before I go to bed, like prioritizing that. Um, And then, yeah, I I try to at least once a week, if not twice a week, make it to adoration. I love how many guests we've had on the podcast who have mentioned specifically moving away from, you know, all the books and journals and activities um, during their time in adoration and just sitting before the Lord, because that's really all all he asks of us. Such a such a powerful moment to spend with him that way. Well, Beth, thank you so much for joining us. This was delightful. Um, We're so glad to have you here on the podcast and um, honored that you would share your story here with us again. So thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at IamHere.org. We also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hallow App in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.